Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax. 74% of Americans report using emoji every single day. Who uses emoji in their texts? Some of you? Like on your flip phone, like T9, you use that with the smiley face thing? Steve, that's you? That's all you, huh? Yeah. Uh, half of Instagram users, like emoji, is the, is the way. It's almost as if you could, you could almost think there's a large portion of our population that have basically just stopped using traditional language altogether, and you just use, like, the emoji. It's almost like the New Age uh, hieroglyphics. I don't know how you would do it, but you can, you can read a lot into them. But, um, and, and there's these, you know, here's an interesting tidbit. For some reason... There are 13 options for train emoji. So next time you're taking a train, you have 13 options um, in order to share that information with somebody else. So we, we use a train a lot here. But um, six weeks ago, around six weeks ago, I, I put it out there on Facebook, uh, just on my personal Shannon page, and I said, tell me what emojis you use. Tell me the, the, most, the ones you use the most. And I got a lot of responses, and um, these were the highest four, the ones that you see on the screen that are on here in this poster, but sadness and, like, the, the freaked out face, the stressed out, the anger, and then, like, the crazed, which could, and you can read into these as much as, you know, you would like. They could, that could be good crazed, but there is the mouth turned up, so I think it's a good crazed. Um, but today I want us to talk about that third face down there. I want us to talk about anger today. I want us to talk a little bit about, about anger because here's a question, what, what makes you angry? What, what makes you angry? There are, um, I spent time thinking about this. I was trying to think of like, a, the, you know, the righteous anger of God, the, the stuff that you're, it's like you're allowed to be angry about. And, um, the one that really rises to the top for me, and I would call it righteous anger, is um, anytime I see something, read something about children being abused, being hurt, being put in harm's way, it just, there's something inside of me that wells up and it just, I'm angry. Um, and so I would say that that's probably my number one, that, that righteous anger. But as the more I sat there and thought about it, and I tried to think of the things that really make me angry, what really started to pop up were a lot of minor things, a lot of things that really, I, I really am, I, I would love to say it's righteous anger, but after just really thinking about it, I realized it was, it was just anger. It was just, you know, and so I have a list of some of the things that really, you know, and we hide, this is what we do with anger. We, we name it something else so then we don't seem so bad. We call it frustration. We call it irritation. Uh, we call it a pet peeve. We, we, we rename some stuff that really actually makes us kind of angry. Like, you know, the blood pressure changes. You know, the, the, the face, you know. Some, some people get like, you know, they have their tails. You know, the redness or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, Drew knows if I'm really, if something's really bugging me because my jaw's just going to town or, or, or he can see it, you know. But here's some of the things that really irritate me that I would call anger right on red after stop it's a traffic law and it's allowed right on red after stop it it really 
bothers me to be behind a car that does not know you can turn right on red after stop as long as there's not a sign that says no turn on red. Um, not using the middle turn lane properly. Get your car completely in the middle lane in order to cross over traffic to turn. Don't leave half your car sticking out in the thoroughfare. Okay? This bothers me. I know it's just me. I'm the only one, but I'm just confessing to you today that it's just me. Drive through workers who say, may I take your order, please? And you give the order, and then they ask you to repeat the order. If you're not ready to receive the order, do not ask if you would like to take my order. Habitual lateness makes me angry. I think it's rude. Vague Facebook statuses that say something like, well, why even bother anymore? And really, all that, all that person's want, they just want you to ask, what's going on? Just tell me what's going on. This kind of stuff, it's minor stuff, but it, it bothers me, it irritates me, it frustrates me, it makes me angry. This Christmas, Drew and I and Mallory were driving to Oklahoma to uh, go see my family. And we were somewhere in Mississippi or Arkansas, which was our first mistake already. And we stopped at a McDonald's, second mistake. And um, we were there, and I go up to order. Drew's standing off to the side with Mallory. And I was ordering, I think it was breakfast. I don't know what it was. And the lady, I, I don't even remember the order, but she was like, so do you want hash browns? You know, and then she was like, and does he want, what is his coffee? You know, she was just being really rude. And so I just looked at her and I said, you're being very rude. <laughs> now, out of the corner of my eye, I see Drew take Mallory's hand and just walk away. <laughs> they just walked away. And um, I said, I don't think that's the way you should speak to your customers. That's how I said it. I was being like, almost like, mm-hmm, you know, and... Um, and then she just looked at me for a moment. It was like this blank pause. And then she goes, sweetie, would you like? <laughs> and then she sweetie and hummed me the rest of the order. But I was so angry that when she asked for the money, I wouldn't even get put it in her hand. I put it on the counter because I was angry. I'm not proud of this fact. I'm just saying that, that how she reacted, it just it angered me so much that I didn't even want to have any sort of connection with her giving her money. See, I, I can get angry. I can get frustrated. I can get irritated. And in regard to anger, here's a question that I think we all should ask, and it might sound like a weird question, but I want you to follow with me together this morning as we look at a passage in a moment. But here's a question I want you to ask yourself. Actually, I want you to answer it, be able to answer it for yourself. Is Satan crashing on your couch? Here's what I mean by that. Are you letting the enemy of your soul into the door of your life through, and we can name that door, anger? Are we letting them in? Are we letting them in and say, come on, crash on my couch, you can stay here, I might even make a room for you. Are we doing that? I confess to you, I do that. I do that. There's a, there's a verse, uh, Ephesians 4.26 says this, and this is, a, this is our main passage today, these few verses in Ephesians 4. It gives us a lot of insight into anger, and it starts this way. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. We know this is kind of like the marriage verse, right? You know, don't go to bed mad at your spouse. Don't do it. You hear it. People tell you that when you're about to get married. If I could give you one piece of advice, don't go to bed angry. 
It's good advice. It's excellent advice. But nowhere in this verse does it say, don't go to bed mad at your wife. Don't go to bed mad at your husband. It says, don't go to bed angry. So yes, let's apply it to our marriages. But how many times, Shannon, folks, do we go to bed at night and, and we set our alarm clock or whatever on our phone, but then it's like this internal crock pot that we set to simmer and we go to bed angry at other people, at situations, I've done it. Maybe you have too. Scripture says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. I will go ahead and say it today, folks. When we are angry, and it's not a righteous anger, we are sinning against God. And we, I justify my anger but I'm only justifying it to myself because the case is not being heard by God. We don't, we don't sin by letting anger control us. Now, so, so why? why? Why would this verse, why? What's the why of this, this verse here, 6? Don't sin by letting anger control you, 26, excuse me. And don't let the sun go down while you're so angry. Why? Why not? Why not go to bed stewing? Why not go to bed simmering with anger? Why not go to bed and, and do the, you know, the, the frozen, you know, I'm, it's a king-sized bed, but, but five more people could fit in it kind of thing where you're that far apart from your spouse. Why, why do we, why? Why not go ahead and do this? Shouldn't it be okay? Well, the answer goes on into the next part of this verse. There's a four in verse 27. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. This is what it does. It is saying, come on in. It gives a foothold to the devil. The word foothold there in the Greek is, is topos. We get the word topography, maps, places, land. We get this word from this. This is what we get. And so what we're doing when we allow anger in is we're basically creating space for sin, we're creating space for, for the enemy. Come on in, crash on my couch. Come on into the situation. I'll set a place for you at the table. Scripture says when we let, when we have anger, not righteous anger, but just anger, we are inviting the enemy of our soul in and giving it a place, a place. We don't want to give uh, another word besides places, opportunity. Another translation of that is not just land or, or geographical place, but, but opportunity. How many times have you been a little bit mad, and before you know it, you're a whole lot mad? Because you've given a place, and now suddenly anything that happens, anything that occurs, just cranks it up a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. We don't need to be rooming with the devil. We don't need to allow him through the open door of anger to live inside of us. Now, here's the deal, and I have to admit this, and I think I'm admitting it to you now, but I think there are those of us that say, yeah, I kind of have an anger problem. Yeah, I, I, I get, I'm easily angered. Yes, things can set me off. Yes, it's true, it's true. But I also think there's, I, I think there's folks that say, you know what, I'm really not an angry person. 
I'm really, I'm really not angry. And, and, and maybe you don't show it. Maybe you don't erupt. Maybe you're not Mount Vesuvius or, you know, I wrote a paper on that one time in fourth grade, so it's always there in my head. Um, but so maybe, you know, you're not an eruptor when it comes to your anger, but, but maybe there are some things. And so I want to offer, because if you're kind of saying, well, this is a great sermon, but I really wish, wish someone else would hear it, I want to maybe kind of bring you in on this too, because I think we all deal with anger in some way. Here's what it might be. So maybe you're not erupting. Maybe it's not real visible, but maybe you deal um, at a real high level of frustration a lot at a lot of people, at a lot of situations. You're always just functioning there at a high level of frustration. You're not speaking it out. You're not acting it out, but it's always there. Maybe that's it. Maybe you, maybe you are, um, uh, you get easily aggravated. See, there's the word. We, we just change it in there, you know. Maybe people just really kind of, you know, the one word or the look can just kind of set you just a little bit wrong. Okay, again, you might not be erupting. It might not be noticeable, but it's just, uh, you know. Maybe, maybe you are hypercritical, and that's kind of like your secret way of, of letting out the anger. It's just being very hypercritical at, at how things are done and how things are situated and said. This is one way we, we let this anger show. But see, we put a lot of different words on it, right? De- definitions. Maybe, you know, your, maybe your spouse irritates you at just the smallest things. And I'm sure that's not true of anybody in here. You know, some people are, um, they, they're, they're kind of this hidden, you know, they're not erupting, but maybe there's just always this sense of, I'm angry at the others, you know, it, whether it's the other political party, you know, or the other team, or the other, I mean, there's always, you know, maybe there's always an other going on with you, that you just kind of, you're not happy with them. Is this, you making, is this making sense? So we're not always people who erupt, but maybe we're kind of always functioning under the surface there with a very high level of this. And, and, and either way, anger is a very real emotion that I think all of us deal with at some level in, in some way. As I was thinking about this and thinking about where I stand on all this, why do we get angry? Because I say all this because I, I think it's important for, for us to realize, you know what, anger is very real. And whether, how, even if I, I deal with my anger or express my anger differently, I think most of us, all of us, deal with it. And so I was thinking about why. Why do we get angry? What is it inside of me that causes me to, to act this way, to feel this way, to respond this way? What is it inside of me? And this is what I concluded about myself, and maybe it will make sense to you as well. I get angry, I get irritated, I get frustrated, whatever you want to call it, because oftentimes, like 99% of the time, I could not exert my will completely in a situation or a circumstance. I mean, when you boil it all, when you, when you tear everything else aside, they were rude, they were ugly, I was stressed, I didn't get enough sleep, blah, 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 blah. What, pull all of that away, most of the time, like almost every single time that I am frustrated, irritated, angry, whatever you want to call it, it's because I could not exert my will. I couldn't get my way. 
peel it all away. And suddenly I am on the same level as my four-year-old. I couldn't get my way. And we try, to, we try to train our young kids, right, about them not. This is what Drew and I started doing. And you'll hear Mallory walking around the house singing it now. She wants something. She's got to have something. If we go to the store, she's, she's always wanting stuff. And so Drew and I, we just started singing to her, you can't always get what you want. We'll sing it to her. You can try sometimes, but you're fine. You get what you need. So Mallory's playing around the house, you know, and I'll hear her in there with her little kid, you know, in her little playhouse, and she's singing, you can't always get, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. Trying to train this in her, and yet I find when I get frustrated, when I get irritated, when I get aggravated, oftentimes it's because I could not exert my will completely in a situation or circumstance. I couldn't get my way. I, I, I didn't get the outcome I wanted. I, I didn't get the response or the reaction or the obedience that I wanted. And so here it is. The majority of time that I get angry is because I have attempted to make myself little G God. I'm trying to make it a big G God. I have attempted to make myself God and others are not giving me the reverence that I think I am due. When you strip it all away, this is what I've been doing the last week and a half. Yay! Realizing how primal this is when you strip it all away. And, and you might just be thinking, wow, Shannon needs to get some therapy. Maybe we can take up a collection after the service because Shannon has a problem, but I don't. Do you get angry when, when people don't agree with you? Do you get angry when people don't think like you? Okay, if you need to say frustrated or irritated, go ahead, but I'm going to call it angry. Do you get angry when people don't do the things the way you do them? Do you get angry when people don't feel as passionately as you do about some things? And Christians are really, really good about this. We're really good about making a lot of things about God when really it's just about making it about our own opinions, our own thoughts, our own inclinations. And remember, this, I said it a moment ago, I set all this up because I don't want any of us in here to think that anger is not a problem. I don't want any of us in here to think, well, Shannon obviously has like, you know, the giant grocery store doors and, and anytime Satan comes near, he just walks on in, the doors open right on up, she's got a problem, but I don't. No, I think we all deal with this. I think we all let him in. So how do we handle our anger? So if it's real, if we realize, you know what, I kind of do, uh, how do we handle anger? How do we, how do we start to stop <laughs> letting the door open? How, how, where do we begin in this? And I wish I had, you know, like, if you do these three things right now, you will never have an anger problem again. I wish I did. I don't have it. I think it's our, I th I think it's our, our human condition that we will struggle with as long as we're walking on this earth. But I think it's possible to combat this. I really do. H how do we recognize this anger and this sin that, by the way, sin grieves God. 
He doesn't go, well, you know, obviously you're angry about that. I would be too. No, he wouldn't. How do we deal with this? James 1, 9, uh, excuse me, 1, 19 and 20, it says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. There it is. As much as we want to justify our anger, not the righteous anger, but I'm talking about the human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. You know what I do? Um, Go to the next verse, if you would, or the one previous, sorry, 19. Um, Here's what I do. I drop out um, uh, to listen and to speak, and I just go be quick to get angry. That's what I, and slow. I just kind of remove a whole bunch of those words, and I'm just quick to get angry. Or sometimes I'm quick to speak while angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. You know, and we think to ourselves, okay, quick to listen. What does this mean, quick to listen? You know, there are times when, again, this is just a, you know, just, I'm putting myself out there today for, for how messed up I am, and I'm just on display, but quick to listen. How often when, when someone's talking to you and that you feel that anger rising up inside of you, you're not listening really. I mean, they're talking, but really what's going on is your brain's running a million miles an hour with a rebuttal, with a comeback, with a cutting comment. You know, you're just getting ready for the ne- your line. It's just me, I know. But we need to be quick to listen not quick to prepare a rebuttal, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to speak. What if we all just said, I'm going to start using a, a 10 second pause. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to, hmm. Maybe it's weird. Maybe people are like, why are you standing there quiet? But 10 seconds can be a long time. But what if we were just to be slow to speak, slow to respond? How, how differently would that that would that diffuse the moment if we're quick to listen and slow to speak? Because I think by being quick to listen and slow to speak, we're automatically putting the brakes on the anger. That doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't do away with it completely, but I think it automatically starts to slow that down. So we're slow to get angry so that when, you know, that little old lady in front of us who's driving like 13 miles per hour and, and you know, you're late for Bible study or yoga or whatever spiritual endeavor you're on, you know, it's like, you know, instead of laying on the horn because she's in your way, you're just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be slow to anger. You know, I'm not going to respond out of this. I don't know. What is, what is that? Why would we be angry about that? Is there an injustice there going on? Because someone's driving slow in front of you. I know it's just me. I know it is. If we're followers of Jesus, if we say, I am following after Jesus, I am walking after him, I am mimicking him, I want to do what he does, I want to respond the way he does, this is what we need to think about. 
He never lost it because someone loaded the dishwasher wrong. Okay, there weren't dishwashers back then, but you know what I mean. He, he, he just didn't... He didn't. He didn't he didn't do that. He he didn't get upset about the ride on red. He didn't. That's just not how he how he functions. And and so I think we've got an anger problem. And here's where we need to be. Here's what I want us to, I want it to come down to. I think we all have an anger problem because I think we all have a human problem. And yet, for a lot of us like I've been doing to you right now, I have been admitting to you that I can be easily angered. This is what I've been doing. I've been admitting to you. But instead of just admitting it, we need to start confessing it. So there's a difference. Not just admitting we have an anger problem, but confessing it. And I think too many people claim anger like a badge of honor. Well, I've always been this way, or, you know, you should have met my grandpappy. You know, he was mean as a snake, and he hated everybody. It's like, so that's not a reason. That is not a reason to function in anger. It is not. And if you want to claim it's generational, then, 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 st- then start a new generation. You know, this is something that we can fight against. We can't open that door. We need to shut that door. God wants uh, to make us more like him. And then the anger that we're dealing with as individuals that explodes all the time, or maybe it's just simmering there under the surface, and we hide it with a little smile. You know, however that anger plays out with us, it's not just anger my problem it's not just your individual problem it it is it it, it's hurting other people it's hurting other relationships the people that are closest to you are affected by this the people you work with if this is where you express it they're affected by this whether you're just simmering or exploding doesn't matter the people around us it's not just a you and god thing It's a you and the people you're doing life with and God going, "Ah, why are you doing that thing? We've got to confess it and and employ James 1.19. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. An anger that is rooted in our feelings and emotions and opinions, folks, I'm just going to say it, it's sin. Anger that comes out of our emotion, anger that comes out of our opinions, anger that comes out of, of our own inclinations, it's sin. It's not righteousness. And Jesus sets the example for us. Jesus sets the example for us. As we, as we move now to a time of about to receive communion, think about this. Think about this idea, this truth of all the times that Jesus was justified to respond in anger. Of all the times, he, he, it seems like he had the right to respond in anger. 
was when, when he was being um, arrested and beaten and tortured and, and being spit upon and people gawking at, at him like he was just a sideshow. I mean, of all the times, of all the times he could have said, he, he could have lashed out, he could have, he could have yelled out, he could have spit back. Of all the times he could have responded in anger. The words he spoke instead were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Jesus' response to you and to me is, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Father, we thank you for new life found in you, for when the reality of our sin is stark and right in front of us and very apparent, you don't leave us there. Lord, you always offer a way. And I'm, thank, I, I'm so very thankful, Lord, that you offer each and every one of us the forgiveness of sins. Lord, in the remembrance that we get to participate now in this sacrament of communion. Reminds us, God, of what you've done for each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldosta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.